You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Become a subscriber and support Radical Radio. Call 03-9419-8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Here we are. Blood destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. As the war machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, 855 on your AM dial. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscana. Anarchos from the Greek, without rulers. Anarchism is an ideology or a philosophy, whatever you like to call it, based on the concept of creating a society without rulers, not without rules. What gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of hundreds of thousands, if not millions or billions of people, as we see every day around the planet? It's inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to share power, devolve power, and the struggle to hold wealth in common and use it for the common good. Relatively conservative concepts. So if you're involved in that struggle to share power and hold wealth in common and share wealth. Whether you describe yourself as an anarchist or not, I've got bad news for you. You are an anarchist. You have the mark of Cain on your forehead. All right, let's move on. Now, it's been a particularly uh, horrendous week and um, I think we all know brutality begets brutality and I'd like to start off by trying to make some sense of what's happening in the Gaza Strip because I think it's important that we understand history and background to things. Now, the Palestinian people were not responsible for the Holocaust. The Holocaust was a European phenomenon initiated by the National Socialist, the Nazi Party, in Germany. The Holocaust not only involved Jewish people, it also involved gypsies, communists, anarchists, gays, disabled people. And the Palestinians had nothing whatsoever to do with the Holocaust. But they are now paying the price. They are paying the price for events which evolved and developed 
in Europe in the 1920s, the 1930s and the 1940s. While the rest of the world gets on with its, you know, everyday activities, making a buck, paying your bills, they, for the last three generations, that's almost 75 years, three generations, have been paying a horrendous cost by the creation of the State of Israel, which in many regards was a state which was created as a revulsion, at the revulsion of what had actually happened during the Second World War by European powers. But somebody else has paid the price. Not just in terms of dispossession, but in terms of brutality. Real brutality, the type of brutality you wouldn't expect from a group of people who've underwent the horrors of the Holocaust. Now, Gaza Strip is a tiny enclave. Tiny enclave bounded by the Mediterranean Sea, Egypt and Israel. It's about a quarter the size of Hobart. I'll repeat that again, about a quarter the size of Hobart. It is one of the most densely populated places on planet Earth. It has 2.3 million people. And those 2.3 million people for the last 16 years have been victims of a all-encompassing blockade as well as eight incursions by Israeli troops, whether it's aerial incursion or ground war, that have resulted in the deaths of tens of thousands of people and to a significant degree children because half the people in the Gaza Strip, half of the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip are children under 15. Unemployment rate is over 70%. Most people rely on United Nations support to survive. There is no freedom of movement. In reality, it is the biggest prison in the world. Right? That's the background. And although we in the West have been making noises about a two-state solution, what we've seen over the past 20 years is not just the blockade of the Gaza Strip and the consequences of that blockade and the consequences of those incursions by the Israeli army. What we have seen is the increase in desperation of a people who have been totally ignored 
not just by the rest of the world, but to a significant degree by their Arab neighbours. During this period, and let's not forget there are two divided parts of Israel, well actually three, there's East Jerusalem, which still has an Arab majority, although Israeli citizens are taking over much of East Jerusalem. We have the same situation in the West Bank. And what we've seen over the last 20 years, we have seen more and more and more and more Palestinian land and Palestinian families being evicted from land by illegal Israeli settlements. So the despair, especially in the Gaza Strip, has been palpable. While we in the West, in Australia, have sat back and said, well, you know, we should have a two-state solution, but when 1,000 Palestinians are killed before, because three Israeli teenagers were ki- kidnapped and killed, we just shrug our shoulders. So you need to understand the background to the brutality that occurred a few days ago and the brutality which continues to be played out by the Israeli army. Because brutality begets brutality. This is a fundamental flaw in a state which believes the only way you can achieve security and peace is by destroying the people you have occupied. And that begets despair and begets brutality. Now we are at the beginning of this particular phase in the Gaza Strip and if you believe this has nothing to do with you, think again. Because I can imagine in the next few days that Hezbollah will launch an attack against North Israel and let's not forget that Palestinian militants in the West Bank, although the Palestinian Authority, which has lost all credibility, continues to try to maintain the status quo, may explode. If that occurs, and let's not forget, the United States has sent its military, it's a, a naval group, into the area because it's concerned there may even be Iranian or Iranian intervention in this particular conflict. And that will make what's happening between Russia and Ukraine look like a picnic. So we need to remember our history. We need to understand what is happening. We may feel revulsion at what has occurred. We may find it unpalatable. But you can't continue to ignore the aspirations of a people who've been dispossessed, 
colonised who 75 years later continue to pay the price for an event in Europe that had nothing to do with them. So, unfortunately in the West we've become enablers. Instead of saying to the Israeli state, you need to negotiate with the Palestinian people and come to some type of solution, two-state solution, we have two independent states living side by side. What we have done is we have supported and turned a blind eye to the increasing colonisation of Palestinian lands. And when push comes to shove and you use brutal tactics to suppress an independence movement, you get brutality in return. And that's a dilemma that we all face. It's not just about the 2.3 million hostages in the Gaza Strip, and they have been hostages now for, since 1967. It's more than that. It's about the fact that we as a society have enabled this to occur because we haven't had the courage to demand that a settlement is reached so this type of brutality doesn't become a recurring event. And that's the key. And let's not forget, there are over 5,000 Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails. 1,500 of them are there under uh, without charge. We've seen the same tactics that were used in Northern Ireland, used in, in uh, Israel. And let's not forget the extrajudicial executions which occur by the State of Israel on a regular basis. Just remember that a very well-known Al Zajira reporter who was shot dead covering an Israeli incursion into the West Bank. And as a lot of uh, Palestinians I know said to me, a child is a child, whether it's an Israeli child, whether it's a Palestinian child, nobody should have to go through this, not once, but twice, but generation after generation after generation. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. And um, what can I say? We're observers. Obviously, there'll be people protesting. Obviously, there'll be people taking a stand. But don't get sucked in by the wholesale propaganda that the Israeli state are the only victims in this particular flare-up. Okay, let's move on. This is the Anarchist World this week. My name's Joseph Toscano. Now, I've been surprised. Yeah, I don't normally get surprised. I'm an old bloke these days and uh, you think you've seen it all. But uh, <sighs> there's a referendum on um, Saturday the 14th. And obviously some of you will be voting no and some of you will be voting yes. And it's about a particularly small issue. It's not a huge issue. It's, it's about a, a constitutional change which would allow uh, Australia's First Nations people to offer advice to government uh, 
and the bureaucracy regarding any issues which affect them. Very small, minimal change. And the, the way the opinion polls are going looks like this is going to be lost. Now, I'm going to vote yes, and I still hope that it will be won. All right? I've got a little bit of faith, more faith than a lot of people in the Australian people. But I am fascinated, fascinated by the coalition, the unexpected, unofficial coalition that has grown up regarding the no vote. Fascinated. You've got the Black Sovereign Movement, minority of the uh, First Nations people, minority that walked out on the Uluru Statement from the Heart, who are sticking to their guns. They want self-determination. They don't want to be recognised in a colonial constitution. So that's their position. But on the same page, and this is what concerns me, we have the Liberal Party opportunists led by Peter Dutton who believe this is a mechanism via which to draw support for a Liberal Party which has had it, found it very difficult to actually maintain support since the Morrison government. On the same page, we have the Squatters Party, the National Party, who actually said they were going to be against the inclusion of a uh, voice in the Australian Constitution from the word go. Didn't even wait to see what the uh, question would be. And obviously, they've always represented the squatters. And the squatters were uh, the a group which was responsible for the dispersal. That was the pleasant word that was used in the 19th century to describe how Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders were uh, killed and land was taken. So you've got the Squatters Party on the same page, that's the National Party, as the Liberal Party opportunists, the Black Sovereign Movement. Then you've got the old white supremacist, you know, they're out there campaigning, whether it's the Palmer crew or the Hanson crew or, you know, our neo-Nazi mates, all out there, all on the same page campaigning for a no vote. Obviously, the white supremacist, supremacist uh, intervention as well as the Black Sovereign Movement intervention, are diametrically opposed. As I said before, the Black Sovereign Movement is about self-determination. The fact they don't want to actually accept uh, any in uh, minimal interaction with the government and don't want to be incorporated in a colonial constitution, right? But the dilemma is we have all these disparate forces, as we saw in the 1999 referendum, on the same page... And ultimately, using an old slogan, yes is yes and no is no. It doesn't matter, say, if you're involved in a relationship, right? It doesn't matter 
you know, the reason you say no, no is no. And the fact is you've got all these disparate parties on the same page makes it exceptionally difficult to get this very minimal constitutional alteration in the um, constitution of voice. A very simple concept. I'm quite happy to vote yes, and I will vote yes. What you do is your business. But ultimately, political change is about momentum. It's about political momentum. First Nations people make up about 4% of this country's population. That's about a million people. That's the descendants. To me, the voice referendum is not about dividing Australians. It's about acknowledging the property rights of the original descendants of this country. That's what it's about. So recognising that as the original owners, they have rights in terms of the way this land is exploited and the way it's shared. That's what this is about. Now, I've got in front of me, now that I live in regional Australia, I have to put up with a lot of shit. I've got in front of me the Squatters Party, that's the National Party's little nice green and yellow leaflet, which they're putting in people, glossy one, putting in people's letterboxes all over regional Victoria and I assume all over regional Australia. Because let's not forget, although Morrison lost the heartland to the Teals, the National Party maintained all their seats and in some cases actually increased their majority. So they do have a, the Squatters Party do have a fair bit of support in regional Australia. And I'm just looking at their little piece of... uh, intellectual uh, bastardry. And I'm going to go through the ten sections. I think it's important that we understand that having the Black Sovereign Movement, the Liberal Party opportunists, the Squatters Party, the National Party and the White Supremacists all on the same page is a really dangerous situation because if no gets up, the momentum towards treaty, the momentum towards truth-telling, the momentum to anything will die out. Remember the 1999 Republican referendum? 24 years later, Charlie is king. Now, here we go. Ten reasons to say no at the referendum. This is National Party stuff, all right? This voice is legally risky, all right? Lie. What's legally risky about incorporating a voice in the Australian Constitution? The Constitution is the backbone of the government's legislative agenda. There's nothing legally risky about the voice. There are no... Number two, there are no details and it underlines no. Well, I don't understand where the National Party is coming from. If you look at the 44 referendums that have been put to the Australian people, 
It's Parliament which interprets the constitutional tick that a referendum gives them. Now, the referendum isn't about saying we're going to do this and we're going to do that. It's about saying that the voice should be incorporated in the Australian Constitution. How that voice is incorporated is not up to anybody else but Parliament, both the House of Representatives and the Senate. So that's bullshit. It divides us. Well, that's been the big one, hasn't it? It divides us. Well, that's bullshit. As I said before, to me, this referendum is about me recognising that First Nations people have a prior claim to land because of their prior occupation of this land. In many regards, it mirrors the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So it's about acknowledging. And if you acknowledge the past, then you can move forwards. It actually unites us. It doesn't divide us. It unites us. Four. Now, this is, this is really good. It won't help Indigenous Australians. Well, I never knew when the squatters party, the people responsible for the dispersal policies, which is a euphemism for the genocide policies of colonisation, how do they know it won't help the Indigenous Australians, eh? How do they know? Are they the experts? Are they the ones who smoothed the pillow of a dying race? And they know? Hmm? Extraordinary. Now, most Aboriginal organisations that are involved in providing practical assistance to Aboriginal people, Aboriginal-controlled organisations, support the voice because they believe that it may give them an extra arm by which to influence government legislation regarding themselves. Five, no issue is beyond its scope. A lot of garbage. Obviously, <laughs> the voice gives a representation to Parliament and the bureaucracy regarding issues which affect First Nations people. It's not about our migration policy. It's not about our defence policy. So obviously, there are issues that are beyond its scope and that's the whole point of having a voice for First Nations people. Six, I love this one, it risks delays, delay and dysfunction. My God. Our post-colonial history has been a history of delay and dysfunction. The voice is about trying to... How shall I put it? It's about trying to avert delay and dysfunction because it's delay and dysfunction which has led us to the situations. Now, I agree with the next one. It opens the door for activists. Now, the National Party, the Squatters Party, is horrified that First Nations activists, if the, federal, if the, if the voice 
referendum succeeds and the federal government um, passes legislation to use a democratic process to choose people who represent their communities through the ballot box, hopefully does open the door for activists. That's the whole point of the voice. Whole point. It will be costly and bureaucratic. Costly and bureaucratic. Look at the privatisation that's occurred in this country. All legal. Look at the colonisation of the public service by the private sector and the cost of the community. Come on. A few million dollars here or there is not going to make much difference to set up the voice. This voice... They use the word, this voice will be permanent. Well, that's the whole point. I'm sorry to say, that's the point. First Nations people, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, are sick and tired of seeing successive governments set up bodies like ATSIC, which not only provided advice but also uh, provided services to First Nations people and control those services, the second tired of seeing every time a Liberal National Party get, government gets back into power that those bodies are abolished. And the whole point of having a voice, and again I find this extraordinary that people don't talk about this, is that it is permanent. It's not just a recognition of where we came from, but it is permanent. It can only be removed through another referendum. Nothing is permanent. It turns out to be a disaster. You can always have another referendum. Ten, oh, this is where the squatters are really, the squatters party, the National Party, are really, really on the ball. There are better ways forward. Well, mates and matesses in the squatters party, I haven't seen a better way from you especially, obviously since your support for the dispersal policies, well... Who knows? So this is the type of people that you'll be supporting if you vote. No, so that's the whole point. Does the black sovereign movement actually lose any ability to negotiate if people vote yes? Think about it. It's up to you. Look, ultimately, ultimately, 96% of the population, that's us folk that are here as immigrants, children of immigrants you know, colonial um, descendants of the colonists, it's not going to really affect us in the, in the end game, but it will have a major impact on First Nations people. Now, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. And this is, what, this is what I talk about history, history. Now, during this whole debate, I have not heard anything about the July 1944 referendum which Pastor Doug Nichols, who's well-known to... He ought to order man, who's well-known to uh, most Australians, was heavily involved in. And I'll go into that in a minute. Just to remind you, listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. You can contact me, zero, uh, leave a message on 0439 395 489. Facebook page, Joseph Toscano. Uh, I'm a... Convener of, well, actually the Registered Office of Public Interest before Corporate Interest, 
a very interesting organisation, which I encourage you to join. Go to pipsy.net, look at the webpage. You can go to anarchistmedia.org. Public housing is a big issue I've been involved in for a long time. You can go to the uh, public housing, everybody's business, and defend and extend public housing, our Facebook pages. Look, there's lots of stuff you can go to, but the important thing is you really need to get involved in things because standing aside is really, really not going to achieve anything. Now, the July 1944 referendum. As the war, Second World War, was coming to an end, especially in the European theatre, the John Curtin-led Labor government was thinking about uh, rebuilding. And in July 1944, there was a 14-point referendum. That's right, 14 points. It wanted to extend Commonwealth powers or federal powers constitutionally for five years uh, to support the rebuilding effort. And one of the 14 points is quite fascinating. And you can look at this up. Go, go to the Australian Electoral Commission you know, webpage and you can look it up. It's about giving the Commonwealth the power to legislate for First Nations people. Now, you've got to remember that this is a, a fast, this is a, our constitution or the Australia, the colonial constitution is fascinating because in 1901 there was one section of the constitution which gave the Commonwealth government the power to make legislation regarding specific races, you know, except, and, and this is the big thing, except Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, except. So that meant that it was the states who were responsible, only the states who were responsible for passing legislation to regarding First Nations people and the atrocities which we saw committed in the 19th century, especially the first 60 to 17 years, sorry, in the 20th century, not the 19th century, the atrocities we saw since Federation in 1901, removing the children, herding people into slums, hundreds of kilometres, if not thousands of kilometres, from their traditional areas, taking people's lands, abusing their children, trying to force assimilation. The list goes on and on. All these atrocities were, direct, were legal. They were directly, directly related to state legislation which varied from state to state. Now, the John Curtin Labor Party in 1944, remember they'd dodged a bullet as far as the invasion of North Australia was concerned from the Japanese imperial forces who bombed Darwin, bombed Broome and even bombed further south, who sent submarines into Sydney, Perth, and the list goes on and on, okay? And one of the main reasons 
that the imperial forces were not able to invade North Queensland was the fact of the support the Australian government had from Indigenous Australians. In the Torres Strait, children and women were removed and Torres Strait men formed the Torres Strait Battalion. In Northern Australia, Aboriginal men, mainly men, were involved in spying on the Japanese forces, were involved in resistance to the Japanese forces, and across the country, which had conscription, thousands of First Nations people were conscripted into the armed forces and fought for this country. And I'm very well aware of this period because in 1992, my late wife was one of the first people to acknowledge that involvement of Indigenous people. And I think she had an ex exhibition in 1992 called Black Diggers, Ghost Fighters and six of those paintings are now in the Australian War Memorial and her name was Ellen Jose. Her father was one of those Indigenous people who was conscripted to fight for the country. Now the tragedy was First Nations people were not citizens of this country. Most of them didn't have the right to vote. And when they came back, because of state-based legislation, they were not entitled to the same privileges regarding housing from the federal government because the federal government couldn't constitutionally change, do uh, pass legislation specifically for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. So in July 1944, in this 14-point referendum, one of those 14 points was giving the Commonwealth Government the power to legislate for Indigenous Australians. Now, unfortunately, the opposition of the day, the National Party, was against this legislation and the referendum was lost. And it wasn't until 1967, 23 years later, the Commonwealth, through a referendum which was supported by 91% of Australians, was given the power to actually change the fortunes and directions of First Nations people. And that power led to the Whitlam government's land rights legislation in the 70s in the Northern Territory, because obviously they couldn't legislate until after the Mabo decision in 92 regarding the rest of the country. So it took another 23 years. And this is my great concern if the voice referendum is lost. The momentum for change will be lost. There'll be no momentum towards a treaty, no momentum towards repatriation, no, no, no momentum towards compensation, no momentum towards truth-telling. Because no government is going to take the risk the political risk, the ballot box 
risk of going down that pathway when the Australian, when this unlikely coalition of the Australian people has defeated the inclusion of a voice in the Australian Constitution. This is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Toscano. Now let's move on. You see, the United States has got a problem. And if the United States has a problem, we have a problem. It's very simple because our military is tied into the United States, not just politically, not just ideologically, but physically. And that's the key, physically. Not only are the United States troops and bases on this continent, more importantly, the type of technology we use to defend the country is integrated into the United States uh, military technology. Now, currently, we have a few disputes that the United States involved in. Remember, the United States has 825 military bases outside its borders. It's responsible, I think, for about 80% of the money that's spent on armaments around the world. Currently, there's a skirmish and that's what it is, on the Ukraine-Russian border. And that skirmish, to a significant degree, has been due to the fact that with the disintegration of the Soviet Union, we've seen the European Union and the NATO forces basically encircle Soviet Russia, which obviously has concerned them. And irrespective of what you think of the Putin government, the fact is, this is their thinking. And that's what led to the Ukrainian invasion. At the same time, the biggest enabler of the Israeli state is the United States. It's been their support which has torpedoed any possibility of a two-state solution, and it continues to be their support. So obviously now they are fighting on two fronts, Although Hamas and the people in the West Bank are a tiny, tiny drop in the ocean in the Middle East, the fact is that that conflict can spiral out of control. And it can spiral out of control very quickly. So I'm suggesting that we should look at what the Chinese Communist Party is currently thinking with the United States under pressure on two fronts, that's Israel and Ukraine, there is a strong possibility the Chinese government, under the tutelage of the Chinese Communist Party, may decide to invade Taiwan. And if that occurs, because of our lack of an independent foreign policy, as far as the United States is concerned, we could see cities in the north of this country come under direct bombardment, direct military attack as we see in the Gaza Strip. Now, I know it may sound far-fetched and we're all very happy having our cafe lattes and enjoying the sun and 
planning our next holiday and wondering how we're going to pay the next bill and thinking it's business as usual. But the fact is, this is a very real possibility in a world that's rapidly unravelling. And don't forget, the United States has always been interested in the United States. And when push comes to shove, whether it was Vietnam, whether it was Afghanistan, whether it was Iraq, when push comes to shove, they're quite happy to leave their allies in the lurch if it suits their political objectives. And let's not forget, it was only late in the First World War and after Pearl Harbor was bombed that the United States, because of its isolationist policies, was actually involved in either of those two wars. So this is a dangerous, dangerous time we find ourselves in. And the fact that we are not willing to have an independent foreign policy means that we are now, as a people, as a country, as a nation, because of modern, because of technological innovations, potentially in the firing line because of our wholesale support of United States foreign policy, which in many regards, many people in the United States don't support, many people in the Republican Party don't support, and because of this association we may find ourselves in the same situation the people of Gaza find themselves in as I speak today. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, <coughs> broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489 0439 395 489. You can write to me. Yes, that's right. I still answer letters to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at info at anarchismedia.org. Info at anarchismedia.org or info at pipsi, P-I-B-C-I dot net. You can join public interest before corporate interest online. Just go to the webpage, pipsy.net. P-I-B-C-I.net, YouTube channels, josephtoscano.nam, where I've actually had the uh, presentations I've done on pivotal moments in Australian radical history. They're available on YouTube. And you can go to the YouTube channel where I've put up over 250 uh, presentations, one a week, uh, on uh, the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest YouTube, YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. There's a lot to think about. But ultimately what happens, how it happens, the political momentum that's created, whether it's public housing, whether it's Palestine, whether it's uh, the voice, whatever, is dependent on involvement, people's involvement. Now, let's move on. Now, we like to pride ourselves, don't we? Now, I've spoken about our loss of our right to strike how about our right to protest? Now, I understand there was a, a recent uh, Four Corners episode which looked at the diminishing ability of Australians, especially climate activists, to protest. Now, boys and girls, I have read the Australian Constitution. 
It is the founding document of colonial Australia. It is our founding document. And I have found no right to protest in the Australian Constitution. So what that means is that the government of the day at the state and federal level makes the laws regarding the type of protests which are tolerated. For example, regarding the Palestinian protest in Sydney a day or two ago when they marched from Sydney Town Hall to the uh, Opera Centre, the police were saying they didn't sign the right paper. They didn't ask permission. And those of you who are old enough to remember the Bielke-Peterson era will remember where a gathering of three people could be broken up violently by the, the corrupt, totally corrupt Queensland police. There is no right to strike and there is no right to protest within our constitutional arrangements. That means the government of the day can pass what laws it likes. We are now seeing activists, whether they're climate activists, public housing activists, subject to legislation, which means they can be imprisoned for 20 years for non-violent protest. It's in the legislative agenda at the state and federal level. We are now seeing crimes, in inverted commas, which uh, had a maximum uh, $500 fine, now having a 10-year prison sentence attached to them through legislation. Because obviously the uh, minerals industry is very concerned about the increasing activity of climate activists, climate emergency activists, who see the situation becoming dire and dire and who use a little bit of direct action, minimal, non-violent direct action, to try to halt the expansion of the fossil fuel and the gas industry. We've seen activists in jail, currently in jail. And a little bit like the... Gaza situation, although obviously it's a long bow to draw, the fact is that this government, because of no constitutional protection regarding the right to protest, can and will, if pushed, pass and, you know, legislation which will make the right to protest disappear. Now, any of you involved in the COVID-19 protests will understand that situation. We have a constitutional document which is bereft of recognising this country's First Nations people as the original inhabitants and owners of the land. We have a constitutional document which criminalises trade unionists. We have a constitutional document which makes strikes illegal in this country we have a constitutional document which criminalises non-violent protest activity, especially if it's effective. 
And that's the key. So those of you who think you live in Nirvana, think again. Because we may have access to a never-ending stream of useless consumer goods and we can punch each other silly on social media, you know, screaming our heads off in our little isolated silos talking about, you know, the risk of dividing Australians. But the fact is, in many regards, as far as arrangements are concerned regarding protecting fundamental, that's right, fundamental rights, we have none. We have four rights under the Australian Constitution. The right to freedom of religion, the right to fair compensation, uh, if our land is compulsorily or assets compulsorily acquired by the state. The right to trial by jury for a serious offence. And the right to not be discriminated against because of the state we live in. Because remember, we are a federation of states. That's it. We also have a right to speech regarding political matters, which is a implied right in the Australian Constitution. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscana. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. You can join public interest before corporate interest by going to pipsy.net, P-I-B-C-I.net. That's P-I-B-C-I.net. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at info at pipsy.net, info at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Websites anarchistmedia.org, pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Um, Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing, Public Housing Everybody's Business. YouTube channels, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, josephtoscano.nam. Facebook page, Joseph Toscano. It goes on and on and on and on. But the fact is, it doesn't matter what I say, it's what you do that actually makes a difference. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of those wonderful folk at the Community Radio Network. This program is podcast, 3cr.org.au. See you next... Well, I won't see you. You'll hear me on the, next week on the Anarchist World this week. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger!
3CR is Radical Radio, and that means more than just alternative current affairs and political coverage. We're Radical because we're an independent media outlet, owned and operated by the community. We're Radical because we give communities the control of their own shows, with their own music, in their own languages. We're Radical because we provide a media platform for communities to build their own power to create social change. Become a subscriber and support Radical Radio. Call us on 03 9419 8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.